this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. The Wellspring. This has been a really cool series for me because I'm a visual learner. Anyone else here, like you're a visual learner, like you, you, you grab hold of pictures. And, and Candace has been killing it with the object lessons with the well this week. If you were in the first week of Wellspring, you guys remember when like the, the fog just exploded all over the room because it's not, it's not us adding water to the well. It's the well pouring out of us when the Holy Spirit's inside us. And I love that. And then the well became a garden overflowing with life. And that's what we should be, that the life is coming from us. And then there were the party balloons and the lights if we stay connected to the electricity last week. And this week, I just, I put a sign that says wishing well. And that's all I got for you. Sorry, I'm not as creative as Candace. But it's a wishing well, right? Listen, as a kid, I loved wishing wells. Like we had, you remember the mall? Oh, I missed the mall. Like where you, you Saturday afternoon, you go to the mall with your family and like, and you walk around. Well, ours had a big wishing well in the middle. And every time we went, my dad had to give me coins so I could throw them in the wishing well. Like that idea that like, if I just wish, I'll get what I want. Like I have this, this wish, this desire, this dream. And, and if I don't put the coins in the wishing well, I won't get the wish I want. But I mean, I was a kid and it wasn't even my money. And I grabbed, I grabbed a couple coins from my dad, right? And I'd be like, dad, can I have some coins? Can I have some coins? And, and he'd be like, all right, fine. Here you go. Give me a penny, a quarter. I don't know. And I'd run up to the well and I'd hold it in both hands and I'd get the picture in my mind, right? You know, that, that feeling as a kid, like, like I wish for the toy at KB Toys, that little dog that yaps and flips that's going to break in five seconds. I just really want it, God. Will you give it to me? Or, or no, not God, the wishing well. Oh, oh, powerful and mighty wishing well. And then I took my father's hard-earned money. My dad, man, worked three jobs when I was a kid. He was going to electrician school so he could become a union electrician. He, he's in the basement cutting wire so that the copper he could sell to provide. And then he's giving me coins so that I can take them and take my hard-earned father's money, the wishes, and I could throw them in the well. And then they just turn into nothing. They just, it's gone. You take your wishes, you take, you take your hard-earned money and you get a dream in your mind, right? You get a picture in your mind of what you want. Like we all, we all work hard and then we take it and we go, would you just, would you just give me more? And it becomes nothing. It's, it's a genie. It's, it's, it's vapor. It's, it's disappeared. It's a wish. It's a dream. How much more successful would I have been if instead I went, dad, Father, here's, here's the thing I really want. And he's like, okay, well, you know, how about we save some money towards that stupid flipping dog that barks and yaps and will break in 10 seconds. Instead, I was just wishing and I was hoping and I had a dream. You know, you know what dreams are, right? The American dream. That idea that, that there's always prosperity on the other side, that, that one day you'll be rich if only. Like America was founded by dreamers, people traveling across the ocean to hopefully find freedom, and then people traveling across the country to hopefully find gold, and then people who want a chicken in every pot and two cars in every garage, and that idea that because I'm American, I deserve it, that dream and that concept. If I just hope, I will receive what I dream of. And it, 
dreams are, are good. They're, they're very, very good. You should have a dream, and I want you to have a dream. But I also, as your pastor, I want to I wanna warn you, dreams are dangerous because dreams are like wishes. Dreams are things that you have, and you might just throw a couple coins to them every now and then, and nothing happens because you have this dream, this dream, but a dream is dangerous. When I was young, I had a, a dream. I'd, I'd become a youth pastor. It was actually a vision from God. And you know what I did about that dream? I just tossed the coin in a well, and I hoped that it would happen. I didn't do anything early on. Actually, I, I, I stopped doing things because now I knew what I wanted to be, so I didn't have to try anymore. It'll just happen. God gave me a dream, and if God gave me a dream, it'll happen. I don't even have to try it. It's going to come to pass. And you know what I did? I caused myself all kinds of pain. Today, I want to tell you a story from the Bible about an individual who was given a dream by God, and that dream actually led him to pain. And uh, it's a story I've preached here before, and it's one that I love, and it's one that's very long, so I won't have a lot of time to get into it, so i got to start moving and stop with my introduction and actually get to the body of my sermon. I'm sorry. It's the story of Joseph. Joseph, he's often called Joseph the Dreamer, or Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, or, or Joseph the Prince, no, that's a different... Egypt story, right? That's Moses, prince of... Anyway, so Joseph. Joseph is, is the youngest son of, of like 11 brothers at this time. He ends up having 12, but he's the youngest son of 11 brothers. And, and, and he has a dream one day. And I want to I wanna pick up in Genesis 37 and read about his dream and what happened from it. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. That's not a good start. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the fields tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before me. You need to have that inflection when you read that, because he's the youngest brother. Who here has a younger brother? You know that's how they'd say it, right? They'd be like, I had a dream, and all of you bowed low before me. And that's how they heard it. And he tells them this dream. And, and this dream, it's a gift from God. Because the Bible tells us that every good and perfect thing comes down from our Father in heaven. It is a gift. Dreams are a gift. If God has played upon your heart a good dream, it is a good gift. But sometimes we take good things and we make bad things happen. We often say that, that money is the root of all evil, but the Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil, does it? It says, it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is the love in our hearts. Money is neither good nor evil. It's how we use it. Dreams aren't good or evil. It's what you do when you have them that matters. Do you just take your dream and you just throw it away and you end up with nothing? Or do you get to work at it? See, Joseph, he uses his dream to brag to his brothers about how great he's going to be. He uses his dream to say, you're all going to bow down before me. And he gets filled with pride in that moment. And it ends up making them hate even more. And they respond in verse 8. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? you do you actually think you'll reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. The way you talk about your dreams matters. I want to cover that quickly. Jesus explains it this way. Don't cast your pearls before swine. I, I didn't understand that for the long time because I, like what 
pearls and pigs. I didn't get it. But here's my idea. He takes the dream God gave him, the beautiful gift that came from God, and he goes to his brothers and he says, here's my dream. It's going to happen. And all they can see is a little boy bragging. They don't see someone humble and ready to, to work. And so they see a little kid bragging. They see an adolescent going, look at me, look at me, look at me. I got a pretty coat from dad and I'm going to be the king and you guys will have to rule. No. So when you have a dream, protect it. Watch over it. This doesn't mean you don't tell the right people. This doesn't mean you don't carefully consider your dream, but it does mean you have a responsibility. You can't just throw out something precious for others to trample on and ignore and forget about, or even yourself to trample and ignore and forget about. If you have something valuable, treat it with care. I had this conversation with my son like just yesterday because we found out his uh, bunk bed that we just got him that was his mother's bunk bed for like five years when she was a kid, still in pristine condition. He had taken one of his toy swords and he had chopped and chopped and chopped and chopped until he fully damaged the whole front of it. And I was like, this was something nice and you've damaged it and we can't repair it. We need to take the things that God gives us, the dreams, the visions, the goals, the wishes, we need to do something with them, not ignore them, not throw them away to turn into nothing. So Joseph, he actually has another dream. Soon, Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time, he told his dream to his father as well. And his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he said. Your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow low before you? You see, when he's throwing his dreams out there to be trampled, he's setting himself up for pain because dreams, they're beautiful things, but they can be painful because dreams are dangerous. They are genuinely dangerous because when they're not properly cared for, they can crush you. I want to... I wanna, caution here. I believe that God puts a dream in the heart of every single one of his children. Because the Bible says that, that he gives us the desires of our heart. Proverbs says he gives you the desires of your heart. Now you can read that two ways. It means if you have a desire in your heart, God will give it to you. And people love to hear it that way because that's the wishing well, right? Like, hey, if there's a desire, God's going to give it to me. But you can also read it this way. God puts the desires in your heart. God gives the dreams to his children. Candace says it this way. If there's a problem, become the solution. If you see something, you have to acknowledge it and work towards it. God puts dreams in us. I love that word from Roger earlier, how he saw this, this picture of our church packed standing room only, but he didn't say, and it'll come to be. He said, so that means we got to take a step and work in our kids' ministries. He, he saw the dream and he found the place to become the part. He didn't just say, there's the dream, it'll happen. And then sat back and waited for the amazing thing because that's dangerous. We get these pictures. I want a Lamborghini. I want a beautiful house. I want all the things. I want to retire wealthy. I want to live this big life, but I just want it to come to me. So instead we, we play the lottery. We get a wishing well. We take out more debt and more debt and more debt and we go to school that we can't afford and we do these things we're not ready and we, we take steps and we end up in a well with vapor around us going, God, you gave me a dream. Where's the answers? That's actually what ends up happening to Joseph. When he, when he disregarded his dreams, he ends up in a worse 
situation. You see, Joseph's brothers, they really hated him over this. It wasn't a little thing. They wanted him dead. And they're out in the field watching the sheep and Joseph is on his way and they see him coming a long way off because he had this beautiful, colorful coat and they go, there comes the dreamer. Let's kill him. And one of the brothers is like, well, no, we can't kill him. Let's just throw him in that well so that he dies on his own. I don't know how much better that is, but that's what they do. In Genesis 37, 23, it says, so when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. They threw him in a well. They literally took the dreamer, the one with wishes, the one who had this idea of who he'd become and who bragged and, and made this big deal out of it. Oh, I'm going to be great. I'm going to do great things. I'm going to be, you're all going to bow down before me because God has made it that way. And that's just, and they threw him in an empty well. And he was left alone with nothing but his wishes in a dried up, dirty well. And then, just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelites, traders, taking a load of gum balm and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. And they get this idea. Let's not just leave him in that dry well to starve and die. Again, good guys, right? They didn't want to kill him. They wanted him to starve and die. Then they go, oh, let's not leave him to starve and die. Let's sell him into slavery. And that's what they did. And I've actually preached before about the price paid for him to go into slavery. And it was, it was five coins, five silver shekels, five coins they paid to sell their own brother into slavery. And Joseph is taken off into slavery in Egypt. And, and many of us know the story from here, right? He's, he's sold into slavery and he's sold into slavery. And, and I believe the reason this happened is he had a dream and dreams are dangerous when the L well is empty, when the well is empty. I, I have a, a youth pastor friend who talks about prayer this way. He says, you dig the well before you're thirsty. You dig the well before you're thirsty. You can't dig a well when you're thirsty because by the time you hit water, you die of dehydration. You got to dig the well ahead of time. And see, Joseph, he had this great dream, this dream that his very family, that he was the lowest of, would have to bow down and worship him. And instead of going, time for me to get to work. I need to become worthy of being a king. He said, I'm going to be the king. Like uh, like, like Simba, right? He just couldn't wait to be king. He's, he's singing, he's playing, he's dreaming, he's wishing, but he's not digging the well necessary. And he ends up sold into slavery. If you have a dream, if you have a desire, if you have a goal, if you have a wish, if you have an aim, it's time to start digging. It's time to start digging. Don't wait, because by the time it's time to get to work, it'll be too late. You've missed out on the blessing. You've missed out on the water, on the living water. So Joseph, he finds himself in slavery. He sold into Potiphar's house. You guys really knew this story during Bible trivia. I was very impressed quick with the answers. Like he was sold to Potiphar's house and there he is sitting in slavery and he decides, well, I know God told me I'd be king and I'm a slave and, you know, God doesn't lie. So I guess I got to get to work. And while a slave, he decided to work hard. 
And he, he works diligently for his master. He doesn't sit and say, I'm just a slave. There's nothing I can do. Oh, well, woe is me. I guess I was wrong. He could have so easily said, God, you lied. You said I'd be king. You said I'd be free, but I'm still stuck in slavery. What's going on? He doesn't do that. He says, if I'm going to be a slave, I'm going to be the best slave there's ever been. And he gets to work. He gets to work and he starts digging and he, he becomes number two in the entire house. It says that Potiphar didn't have to worry about anything because Joseph took care of everything. And when he got to work, there's something that happens. When we work hard for our God, Genesis 39, 2 comes into effect. The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did. He succeeded in everything he did. Sometimes we're like, I try things and they just fail. I try things and they just fail. You're, are you doing it on your own? Are you doing it with some backup? Are you digging the well with God on your side? Are you honoring his word? Or are you doing it your own way? Listen, everything I do my own way, it's on me when it fails. Everything I do God's way, it's on him when it fails. And he's stronger than me. He can handle it. I don't have to be crushed by my failure. I just go, okay, I'll try again because God is with me. And if he's with me, who can be against me? If you have a dream, what are you doing? How are you digging to get there? Are you just hoping? So he's, he's, he's doing good. He's working his way back up. And what happens? Things continue to go good for him forever? Nope. <laughs> it says that he got handsome and he grew into a beautiful man. And, and you see Potiphar's wife, she looks over and she's like, <laughs> and she goes, Joseph, come and sleep with me. And Joseph's like, what? Listen, I'm a slave in your master's house. He's made me number two in the whole house. Look at how blessed I am. I don't know how he sees that. He's a slave. But it, look at how lucky. I could never betray my master in this way. And he does the right thing. He continues to honor God. But sometimes, even when we're honoring God, when we're doing everything right, Potiphar's wife comes along. And she accuses us. And he gets, he goes from slavery to prison. Potiphar looks at him and he says, how could you have done this? He didn't do anything. She lied about it. And he gets thrown into prison. Thrown into prison where he's going to rot the rest of his life. Now, does Joseph go, God, I, I tried honoring you. I tried doing things right. I did it your way. I tried it your way. And look where I am. No. He goes, okay, God, you're still clearly God. You're still clearly good. And he got to work. And he starts working in the prison. And he becomes a trustee in the prison. And then he becomes number two in the whole prison. And it says that the prison warden didn't have to worry about anything because Joseph took care of everything. And it says that God blessed everything Joseph did in prison. I don't know if any of you are in prison right now, but I'm not, and I have nothing to complain about compared to Joseph, but there Joseph is saying, I'm getting to work. If it's morning, I'm waking up. If it's night, I'm going to bed. If whatever I got to do, I'm going to do. If they say I can't do anything, I'll worship. I'll find a way to dig the well now because I need some water in my life. If you're thirsty for living water, start digging down deep right now because you cannot survive on your own. You're going to dry out. You're gonna, your wishes will turn to smoke and ash and you'll go, God, where are you? And he said, I, I had a dream for you. I gave you a vision and you just let go of it. You are the solution to the problems you're pointing at. You are the solution to the problems you're pointing at. 
So there he is, sitting in prison, digging his well. Digging his well down deep. And while he's digging his well, God gives him an opportunity. Sometimes we're like, I just need a chance. I just need a break. Well, if you're already digging your well, an opportunity comes and the rain came for Joseph. And two men come up to him and they tell him, we had a dream. We had these dreams and, and, and it's, it's stressing us out. And can you just help us, Joseph? It seems like everything you do works. Can you be the one? I want to be the one people come to. I said it earlier. You don't have to walk up to me and say, hey, I'm so sorry. I want to be the one that the well is pouring out of me. And people go, I just need whatever you have. So become like Joseph. Have that water pouring out of you. People are going to come up to you. They're going to say, I just need something. And they come up to Joseph and they're like, the, the, it, was a, it was a baker and a cupbearer. It wasn't like a candlestick maker and a butcher, but whatever, a baker and a cupbearer, somebody making bread, somebody serving wine. And, and they, they tell Joseph the dream. You see the, the baker's dream. It, it, the meaning ends up being that, that he's going to die in three days. Pretty, pretty sad meaning, but sometimes you got to be the bearer of bad news and you just got to speak the truth to a situation and say, listen, I'm sorry. This sucks. I'll be here with you, but, but, but here it is. That the cupbearer, he gets the vision, means he's going to be saved in three days. One will be lifted up to a place of honor. One will be lifted up on a pole to die. And those two dreams are interpreted. And, and I don't have time to get into this real, real quick, but, but those of you who know the story of Jesus, who presented on the night of his betrayal a cup and wine, and three days later, he was on a, he was on a cross, and then three days later, he rose again. And these dreams, they parallel, you see what I'm saying? They parallel the story of Jesus how he was dead, and then he brought to life three days later. And, and Joseph, he interprets these dreams. He tells the men, and he tells the cupbearer, listen, you're going to end up in Pharaoh's palace. Just don't forget me. Don't forget me. God doesn't forget you in the prison. He hasn't forgotten you. You might feel abandoned. You might feel alone. You might feel like, I've been working for my dream. I'm doing everything you're saying, and I'm not there yet. You know it was 10 years 10 or 12 years that Joseph was in slavery and in prison? Sometimes we're like, I've been trying for days, God. 12 years. 12 years. You've been trying every day with everything for 12 years? If you have, I'm hurting. I'm hurting with you. Try it. Dig deep. Because God is good. And he is there and he is faithful. And 12 years later, eventually that cupbearer remembers him. And, and Pharaoh has a dream. This is a story of dreams. I just need you to see that. There's Joseph has two dreams. He interprets two dreams. And then Pharaoh has two dreams later. And, and Pharaoh says, can anyone interpret my vision? And the cupbearer says, I know somebody. I remember somebody. This guy, he, he, he was always working. He was a good man. And he'll have the answer for you. There's something about Joseph. It's overflowing from him. It just comes up out of him. He doesn't, he doesn't complain. He doesn't whine. He's got your answer. I, let's go get Joseph. So they get Joseph cleaned up. I love that the Bible, I'm not going to, it spends the time to say, so they shaved Joseph and washed him and made him clean because he'd been living in a prison and he probably smelled bad. Like, so he, and then he enters Pharaoh's palace. Pharaoh says, can you interpret my dream? And, and I love Joseph's response because when he was a child, he said, here's my dream and here's what it means. I'm gonna, you're gonna rule over me. But when Pharaoh says, can you interpret my dream? He goes, it's beyond my ability to do this, but the God I serve can. I know the whole time I've been saying, you gotta dig the well. You gotta get to work. You're the solution. You're the answer. You gotta do it. But no. Joseph, he worked hard, but at the end of the day, he knew it all relied on God. 
You work as if it's your, your responsibility, but you pray and believe that it is God's. We work like it's our responsibility, but we believe and know it is God's. We will work and work and work. But at the end of the day, it is only God that makes the fruit grow. It is only God that makes the seed grow. It is only God that makes forests so we can make furniture. You gotta be willing to understand, I'm gonna work, but it's gonna come from him, not from me. Because when it comes from me, it's, it's, it's pointless. It's worthless. I have nothing to offer because every time I try to do it, I make a mess. I do. I'm an absolute mess, like, like a kid with glue. Actually, better, like Jason with glue. Just, I make a mess. It, go, it ends up everywhere on my fingers. Super glue is just the worst. I make a mess. But God, he's faithful. And when he interprets Pharaoh's dreams, Pharaoh goes, you know what? You're going to be the one. The, the, the dream, if you didn't know, see, the dream is that there's going to be a famine in all of Egypt. There's going to be, there's going to be Years of plenty, seven years where there's so much blessing that, that Egypt will just have too much. And then seven years after that, there'll be a famine. And, and, and Pharaoh goes, well, what do we do? He says, put somebody in charge of all the food, make sure that we reserve enough to get us through the seven years of famine. And Pharaoh goes, okay, I got just the person. Joseph, I see a problem and I see a solution standing in front of me. And he promotes Joseph from the position of prisoner to the position of number two in all of Egypt. This is salvation, guys. This is an individual trapped dead in sin. It wasn't even his own sin. It was the sin of Potiphar's wife that threw him in prison. He was a slave and a prisoner. Sin is the story of me being a slave and a prisoner to my own actions. I am trapped by myself and I am stuck. But there's a dream. And that dream is that a man died and three days later rose again. And here's the interpretation of that dream. Now you can be free. Now you can have a dream of eternal life, of an abundant life, of a fruitful life. You don't need to be trapped, stuck, worried. He's got you. So dig a well down deep. And there are some dangerous dreams out there. Dangerous dreams. Like a little kid who, who can barely pass his English class saying, I want to be a pastor. That's a dangerous dream. Somebody who is to this day so dyslexic and embarrasses in public says, I got a dream. And I wish when I got that dream at 14 years old, in that moment, I said, all right, I'm going to get to work. And I started digging a well so deep that to this day, there would be water that could last through the drought called 2020. I wish. Yeah. My well wasn't deep enough in 2020, guys. I had enough for a couple weeks. I was like, okay, we got the water stored. We've got the, we've got the stockpile. We're ready to go. But we ran out of toilet paper in a couple weeks. I ran out of water in a couple weeks. I was reaching out to people early. I was praying with people. I was saying, stay strong. I'm here with you. By month six, man, I was hurting. And I say this honestly, because I know, I know so many of you were too. And I'm hurting that you were hurting. And I'm hurting that I wasn't so overflowing like that first week image that, that the, the smoke coming out of my well reached out to you in your seats through this camera. To those of you even watching online right now, listening later, that, that I wasn't able, I wasn't there as much as I wanted to be. You gotta dig down deep so that in those seasons, 
called pandemic, in those seasons called job loss, in those seasons called, called grief and pain and sorrow and hurt, called Potiphar's wife. In those seasons, you've got the water you need. Dreams are dangerous because sometimes disciples aren't doers. Disciples are dreamers. I want you to understand that. Do not take away from this message that you shouldn't dream, that you shouldn't just wish, that you shouldn't have a picture and a vision for a prosperous future. You need that. But you're not just a dreamer. You are a doer. The disciples had a vision for a church that would touch the entire world. So you know what they did? They got to work. They wrote letters, they traveled across the world, they went to the synagogue every day, they preached and preached and preached and their lives were threatened and they all died because they would not stop. Because that dangerous dream, it cost them their lives, but it gave them eternity. Dreams are dangerous and they are expensive. I don't know if you're stuck in prison right now, if you're a slave to your own sin and your only dream is that I can make one day, one day where I feel safe, healthy, loved, forgiven. That day can be today because Joseph interpreted the dream and then he got to work and he got to work and you can, you can, you can be forgiven. You can be set free. You can go from the position of slave to the position of prince of Egypt. But let me tell you, once you're out, you got to go back to work. Because that dream for freedom, if you don't get to work, it's going to become a nightmare of slavery. Disciples are doers. I, I'm not preaching this morning so that someone will raise their hand. I really hope you do. If you want to receive Jesus, we're going to do that in a second. If you want to be freed from slavery, that's what I want for you. But that's not what I'm preaching for this morning. I am preaching, I am praying, I am believing for some disciples because disciples are doers, not just dreamers, not just people who say, okay, I'll take freedom. That sounds easy. People who say, I want a new life. That sounds hard, but I'm in. I'm going to start digging. I hate digging. I really do. I don't mind shoveling snow. It's, it's rough. But I, I was on a missions trip in Arizona. That's some hard ground to dig, guys. You got like a hammer and, and a chisel for that dirt. And we had to dig down two feet. It took us two and a half days. It was also a pretty wide space. It took forever. I hate digging. But I'm going to start digging in my life. What does digging look like for you? It's going to look different for everybody. For my family, we, we did a little bit too much of this. We, we, we have this, this, we spent this time this year, Jamie and I, we sat down and we said, let's dream together. What do you want? What's, what's your biggest dream for our family? Your desire for our lives? And, and you know what she said? And it was, it was way too big for me. She says, I know we've talked about this before, but I just, I want to own a home. We've rented our whole lives. And, and I've, I've resolved in my heart, I was saying, well, just be renters. I, I'm comfortable with that. That's, that's the position that God's put me in. I would, I would live in a shack if I got to preach. I don't care. But, but my wife, she had a dream. She said, I want to be a homeowner one day. And I said, okay, that's scary. Let's, let's work backwards. What does that mean? So we sat down and we developed a plan and we developed a dream. And, and then I said, you know what I want, Jamie? I, I only want that our children are never worried about money because I grew up in a home. I told you my dad worked incredibly hard, but we went bankrupt when I was a kid and we lost my childhood home. And I never wanted that for my children. So I've never even considered buying a home because you can't lose something you don't have, right? 
That's the, that's the other danger of dreaming that it'll be too scary and you won't even step out. So instead of, of, of doing what I used to, of taking my dreams and saying, please God, and just seeing them turn to smoke, we sat down, we said, what will it take to accomplish these dreams? And we decided as a family, and this is scary to share because it means I'm all in, we're gonna get debt free. I have student loans. Jamie's got a small student loan. We've got a car loan. We sat down, we looked them all up. We put them all in a document. And then we saw that number and we about like gave up in that moment because it was scary. <laughs> it was a lot of money. It was more than I make in a year. <laughs> it's horrifying, but I've got a dream. My wife has a dream. We're gonna get to work. We're gonna get to work. And that requires some blessings and it requires some effort and it requires some work and I'm picking up side work for friends and I'm looking to sell things that I can make. And Jamie's like, I can make stickers and we're like, I can babysit and we're like, we don't need to buy anything ever again. <laughs> we're figuring it out. I have a dream for us as a congregation as well. I don't want to be a church of small dreams. I want victory in your life. I want to hear testimonies of new life, of life changed, of futures changed. And here's what I've learned since we sat down on January 1st and we made that dream goal, that if you don't work towards your goal, if you don't count the cost, if you just have a dream and you're unwilling to work, it is just something you'll throw in a well and it'll turn into smoke. So we sat down and we made a budget and we said, okay, I want to be somebody generous. I want to be somebody who can give. I want to be somebody who is free from my own slavery. You see, my debt had become something that has trapped me and prevented me from moving forward. We, we could never buy a house with the debt we have. Just, it's never gonna happen. So something needs to change. I believe a lot of us are trapped by our finances and we just hope that if we make more, we'll be free, but we just get a bigger chain. I wanna be a church that is free from slavery. I wanna be a church full of doers. This is hard and scary, but if we see a problem, we need to become a solution. Freedom Valley, if you've ever struggled with your finances, if you're here and you're like, I don't even know how to balance a checkbook, we want to offer some resources to you. First Wednesday, every every first Wednesday of the month, we offer our groups here, FE Youth, FE Kids, and men's group, women's group. And this month, there's going to be a finance class taught by, uh, by Josh Keeney and Tom Landis, two successful entrepreneurs in our community. And they're going to teach you how to, how to manage your money, how to become a good steward, how to be someone who can do not just dream. And then also, you know, Jamie and I, we wanted to lead in this. So uh, in a couple weeks on March 11th, it's a Thursday night, we're gonna start a Financial Peace University. This is a class uh, led by Dave Ramsey. The idea is how to get free from your debt and finally be free with your finances, how to, how to see uh, blessing, not lack, how to become a giver, not a taker, how to, how to grow your finances. And we're gonna lead that class and take it along with you. If you're interested, uh, you can find out more on fe.church forward slash events. We're gonna have information listed there. You can just talk to me and get signed up. We're gonna start March 11th. Uh, I think it's nine weeks on Thursday nights. And I'd love for you to join me and, and take that journey with me and, and, and support me while I support you in that difficulty. But maybe you, you don't feel free or trapped by your finances. Maybe you're already free to give or, or maybe you wanna set out a seed that you plant in the ground so it can grow and bring fruit in your life. Our youth ministry actually started an initiative uh, when we were at Winter Retreat. They, they shared a vision for Speed the Light 
a teen-led missions giving organization that raises money to help missionaries spread the gospel all over the world. Teenagers throughout the country raise money so that missionaries have what they need to buy vehicles, to share the gospel, to buy sound and lighting equipment, whatever they need to bring the, the light of God to the lost in this world. And our youth ministry, the students, there were uh, 11 of us there, and they set a goal to raise $5,000 for Speed the Light. Not only that, they set a goal that by uh, Easter, April 2nd, by April 2nd, they will raise $1,000 as the first part of their gift, and that gift will specifically go to the big gift initiative to buy vehicles to help uh, Project Rescue free little girls from sex trafficking in India. And I, I've seen kids set goals like this before and then immediately forget about it. And then like a couple weeks later, I'm like, how you doing on your missions giving? They go, oh, I forgot about that. We got back the first Sunday. I saw an envelope from the youngest kid in our group with his $11 ready for Speed to Life. I've never been more motivated by a smaller amount of money. It wasn't just coins. It was exactly what he had pledged the week before. Then that Wednesday night, we met and students brought money in envelopes with their names on it, ready to give to Speed the Light in multiple groups. And here we are three weeks later with over $280 already presented towards their $1,000 goal. <laughs> Disciples are not just dreamers, they are doers. And these kids, these children are leading the way. Like that word from God, our children are gonna lead the way and I want to lead and follow them. I wanna lead them where they should go and then I wanna follow right behind them, protecting them, watching them every step of the way. You can be a part of that. You can support them. You can bless them. I've had some individuals who already knew about this say, do any of them have any fundraisers or ideas that I could finance their ideas so they could, they could invest, like make, it, I'll give them money for a lemonade stand or I'll buy the goods for a bake sale. If they need it, I'll be there. You can invest in them that way. You can, you can talk to me and they've already got a bake sale set up in the lobby right now. You could buy some cupcake, ice cream cones, brownies or cookies or just invest in them. We want to keep you updated on the Speed Delight, uh, fundraising throughout the year. And we want to see what we can do as a church to support our youth ministry and, and that's another way that you can be a doer, not just a dreamer. My family, we are in an incredibly tight season as we're trying to get out of debt. We will be giving to Speed the Light because we believe that when we honor God, He'll promote us to a place as the Prince of Egypt. And there's gonna be downsides. There's gonna be difficult times. It didn't happen overnight. It took some time. It took some time for Joseph to get out of that slavery and walk. All of this, the whole story of Joseph, it ends in a beautiful story of forgiveness. See, Joseph, he, he went from a slave to a prince, but this story isn't just about him. In this story, he's, he's like Jesus, right? Who, who is beaten, betrayed by his friends and his family, who is sold into slavery, who then dies and then rises again. And that's, that's what Joseph is an image of. But, then something happens in a couple chapters while he's leading all of Egypt. His brothers show up asking for food and they don't recognize him. And he, he leads them along and he, he gets them to realize one day he breaks down and he cries and he goes, I'm your brother, you sold into slavery. And they're terrified because Joseph's now this king and they're bowing down before him, begging for forgiveness. And in Genesis 50 verse 19, he responds. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. 
Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Sometimes we go, God, I've done too much. I'm too much of a sinner. I'm too much of a screw up. I'm not a doer. I'm just, I'm just, I'm lazy. I throw wishes. I can't do it, God. Everything he said sounds too hard. And we drop on our knees and he says, I don't want to punish you. I want to forgive you. What the enemy meant for evil in your life, God meant it for good. The slavery you feel trapped in, it's brought you to this place so you could find forgiveness. So you could become not a believer, a follower and a disciple. Children believe in Santa Claus and children wish for gifts. Adults understand that it's more than just a dream. We are disciples and we will follow him. That's what baptism is. It's saying, I'm all in. I'm a follower. Would you close your eyes with me as I pray? I want to give you an opportunity to respond right now. If you say, I'm a slave trapped in sin, in my own failures, in my own hurts, in my own prison, and I want to be free. I'd like to receive Jesus. I want to pray that he forgive me my sins and I want to follow him as a disciple from this day forward. If you say, I'm in for that, would you raise your hand in this room right now? I'm in. I want to follow Jesus from this day forward. Heavenly Father, thank you for these decisions. Pray that they would seek forgiveness above everything. They would follow you as their savior and they put you first, taking action to own their faith and forgiveness and in you. And then finally, if you're committing to, to take a next step in giving, in honoring God in that way, would you just let God know, I'm gonna even close my eyes in this moment, let God know by raising your hand. Heavenly Father, for each and every response, pray that they would be taken seriously, that the dream they have for a better future would be one they get to work digging at, to find the freedom through you, the forgiveness through you and the future by getting to work. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. 